it's the summer break. I think we've earned a little recklessness with our yeah. technical capabilities. Even though we were super reckless uh, last week when we were just like, yeah, well, we'll see if it's recording. Um, I think that's the I think that's the way to go. I'm going to start like showing up to this with like only like 39 minutes of battery left. <laughs> oh, thank you for saying that. I do. I am thankful that I plugged in my mom's laptop because it was not charged. I also don't know how old this laptop is. There's also another laptop here from someone who is since shuffled off this mortal coil and the computer is like locked. Oh, John, you want you want to hear something really, really funny? Yeah, lay it on um, me. So I come down here to check out like the, the recording space here in the basement. And uh, I see that there's a laptop down here. And I'm like, oh, whose laptop is that? And my mom's like, oh, that's that's Greg's old laptop. And I was like, so what's it doing in dad's office? And she's like, well, it's you can only access it through the guest login, which means you can't do anything on it at all. It's a, it's an old HP or, or something, uh, but just like a really crappy E machine, more or less. And now the only functionality that it had is like nothing. Uh, it like disappeared. So my dad was like, oh, I bet I could figure it out. I'll like hack into it. And I was like... <laughs> My father, who quite literally is like scared to open apps on his iPhone because he thinks he might break something or accidentally tap on uh, something that's going to steal his identity and the identity of every person he's ever cared about, thinks he's going to hack into like a 10-year-old computer, which he wouldn't know how to turn on if we hadn't shown him at one point <laughs> in the first place. I was like, how long was he on it? She's like, I think he was down there for like... A few hours very late like i told him to come to bed and he's like i'll just be down here for a few more minutes and then he didn't come to bed for hours and i he, it's not like he was on the laptop surfing the net he never logged on he never got onto it he never i don't know what he was doing but uh probably just staring at it like a a cursor blinking is what yeah, i'm thinking just trying to like yeah trying to will it trying to get it just to yield to his persistence no uh, matter what yeah, it's uh, you know, uh uh props to the previous generations who, you know, they've made it as far as they have with with technology these days. I mean, and uh I'm still astounded that like, you know, my my dad, my old man, he loves to think of the computer as being uh somehow analogous to a car. And so his mindset is always like, need a new computer? Don't waste your money on one of those things at the store. Like the moment you take that computer out of the store, <laughs> the value just plummets. Oh, get your God. get your butt on on Craigslist, you know. Yeah. Find yourself a, a nice used computer. All you got to do is fill it up with hot new parts mm -hmm. and it'll mm -hmm. it'll blow the doors off of anything that you can buy at the store. Mm -hmm. Bring and, it to the geek squad and uh and let them let them soup it up and uh, hypercharge it. I, I'm assuming yeah. that's what he he considers. Uh, luckily, I I will say credit to to Phil Lepore. He has come around and he's you know he's locked into a nice crisp Mac laptop. And, oh, uh, nice. You know, and then and then is in the you know the cycle of having to visit the the Genius Bar whenever things go awry, which is which is wonderful because at least you've got like reliable. Yeah help and support. And I, I will not even get into the depths of 
computer troubles that I've seen uh, haunting, terrifying other members of uh, the older generation. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, and and for me, you know, we're we're savvy, like we've used this stuff our whole lives, but I already feel all the layers of like the next generation coming out from underneath us. And like, you know, mm-hmm. I still can't make sense of, uh, you know, TikTok and uh, and and whatnot. I mean, you're 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 a good you're you're a pretty savvy whippersnapper with that stuff. I, mean, I, I have a tough I- time keeping up with it all. But here's the thing is I, I, I recently um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for credit where credit is not due. I have a TikTok, like one of the first TikToks I ever made has like 1.8 million views at this point. It's the, just the, the elephant. Uh, elephant yeah, topic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which yeah. I use like a very, I did, I did everything that TikTok tells you not to do, which is I just like rec- screen grabbed a video and then overlaid text on it in the voice of the British man who is like supposedly not at all popular in the algorithm. I used an old nappy root song from like when we were in college, like all the things they're like, well, you need something that's current. That's like chart topping. That's got a bunch of space uh, plays on Spotify. And you have to make sure the the video is uh, in your voice and your like content is starting to be a brand and it's nothing. I have nothing, nothing quite like that on TikTok. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what's going on. And I'm still getting every once in a while, I'll wake up with like, oh, you've got 15,000 notifications because people liked this video randomly while I was asleep. It's It's amazing. Weird. Absolutely spectacular. Terrifying. Terrifying world. So, uh, outside of, uh, outside of general technical support and the Mm. existential dread of technology outpacing us all, uh, Corey, what the, what the hell are we doing here today? Uh, oh, well, uh, we're getting into it. Welcome to the F1 Files, folks. This is an F1 podcast by a couple of fans in the United States of America. Childhood friends, childhood buds. And now we're F1 fans. I mean, we've been F1 fans for a while, but yeah. Um, that's who we are. I'm Corey Willis. I'm an improviser, actor, and writer, normally on the West Coast, but I am tucked into the little hamlet of New Paltz, New York. Woo-woo. So if anyone wants to find me, I don't know why anyone would or what they would do if they found me. If they're a listener to this, if they just want to nerd out on F1, they could just talk to me on social media or probably <laughs> reach out to me because they probably have my phone number already. We don't have a ton of listeners, uh, but um, a lot of them are our friends and family. But uh, yeah, who am I speaking with? What's up? This is John Lapore. I'm a creative leader working in uh, the future of technology, film, and automotive, and uh, life lifelong F1 geek. Um, yeah. So we we find ourselves continuing in the summer break, mm-hmm. just and one, one full mm-hmm. week cycle away from entering race week so we've uh we've still got another week until we enter the race week of spa oh okay so, yeah so we've got like two weeks basically yeah until yeah until spa. you're just trying to rationalize I'm it trying into something so hard that's, i uh, need it to be yeah oh yeah it's been it's been rough watching i'm happy nothing. that actually the silly season and the circus sort of like simmered down 
a little bit this week, and I felt like the majority of F1 news that I saw unfolding or just even F1 discussion was basically just like, hey, what's been everyone's favorite memes this year and yeah. uh, and whatnot. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, it's to me, that means everyone is properly in summer break mode. They're detaching. And uh, yeah. we wanted to use this summer break as an opportunity to depart from our normal format of discussing, you know, uh, recent race events and news and tap mm. into a little bit of uh, a little bit of storytelling, a little bit yeah. of some sharing of of experience. Um, yeah, some this week. Uh, yeah, this week, Corey, I want to hear you tell us about your experience going to what year was it the 2017 so this was the the year that nico uh won and then immediately retired um uh yeah so what was that 2015 20 yeah 2016 2016 i think time is awful um the magic of editing will make us look like we know exactly what we're talking about because now we've said three separate years and i have to imagine it's one of those three uh <laughs> so um the folks won't hear any of this hopefully or maybe we nailed it and it was 2016 and i'll just leave all this in so that they can get a peek behind the curtain uh as you frantically google i see the eyes yeah, moving I'm, I'm, and the, the keys i don't know stroking. why it's taking me so long yeah 20 2016 2016 it was 2016 yeah nice 2016 so so much has happened in the world uh, since 2016 that it feels like it that Nico won like 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, but it was just uh, it was less than 10 years ago. Um, so yeah, that was that was the year that uh, that Lewis had a bunch of reliability issues. Well, hold on, hold on. We've just been talking about what year it was. What? Where where did you go? What was the event? What it was the not the penultimate, but the finale of the F one season. It's the Yas Marina, um, the circuit there in Abu Dhabi. So I went to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, in twenty sixteen. Got to see the fireworks, the donuts. Uh, almost took an Uber helicopter because why not when you're in the UAE, why not just take an Uber helicopter if it was available? Oh my gosh. Uh, they were just booked up. Uh, so I went, I went to visit my buddy, Brandon Wyatt, uh, uh, one of our, our friends from, from childhood. Uh, he's an old snowboarding buddy of mine. And uh, he got a job working for the Emirati government basically. And because everyone who works within the UAE is, ultimately working for the Saudi government, uh, mm-hmm. but the, they're, they're working for the United Arab Emirates. So he was over there designing basically like the Disney World version, uh, like a Disney World type setup. Uh, it's all like a, like a Bollywood, um, uh, uh, f- not feature, but I guess it was like a Bollywood spectacular. So it was just all the Bollywood stars uh, where they'd have like Jeeps, like going through exploding walls. Uh, so he was like a project manager on one of those and he couldn't come home for Thanksgiving. So his company was like, Hey, you want to fly a friend over to have Thanksgiving with you? And Thanksgiving just so happens to fall yep. on the weekend of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. 
and we ended up going to that. So we went all weekend, got to go to Ferrari World. I mean, we'll we'll talk more about that, but it was uh it was an amazing experience of flying into the Middle East. This is right when it's the weather's getting gnarly here on the East Coast. I was still living in New York at the time and flying out from uh I think I was flying out of JFK and then ending up in the Middle East just quite literally footsteps away from the the Persian Gulf uh was was incredible just truly one of the most uh, amazing experiences of my life and got to see unfortunately didn't get to watch Lewis win but uh got to watch him race again and got to experience maybe one of the most like uh it's closely guarded, but I feel like the F1 experience surrounding that Grand Prix is so interesting because it is a Middle Eastern country. It is a mm-hmm. Muslim country. So there are, you cannot drink in public. So everyone. Yeah, so has, there's, there's no yeah. alcohol consumption pretty much anywhere, right? Oh, well, that's the thing is there is. Uh, they just have to put up a wall or a fence so that the uh, <laughs> the indigenous population of uh, of Emiratis and other Muslims cannot see you drinking. Like, I guess that's like the workaround. Uh, so, so wait, like, does that mean that there's like a drinking box at the Grand Prix that you can climb 100%. into? Hundred percent. It is. It is like, uh, like it's like. Um, like those things that you see at red carpet events where they'll erect a wall of ivy, but it's fake ivy. And it's just like you snake your way through fake ivy and then it's just a bunch of uh, very sweaty Europeans and, uh, and Americans hammering just the the best beer in the worst temperatures, uh, the desert heat, <laughs> and just hammering light beers. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it was, it's interesting. It's that sounds that sounds kind of amazing. I love uh, yeah. I love that. I love the uh, there used to be. I feel like they're not really around anymore. But every once in a while, you'd go to an airport and there would be a glass box for the smokers yeah. just to sort of like stand in like shameful display. Oh yeah, in this cloudy, smelly, you know, oh. aquarium uh, as as everybody's just kind of rolling by on on the the moving walkways and whatnot. Uh, and you're this, just watching people like breathe in each other's toxic fumes and just yeah. Uh, so just what's gross. the uh, what's the temperature like there? You're in the middle of the desert. So yeah, it's. I mean, it's it is the it's the. I mean, it's the Persian Gulf. It's what you what you imagine. Uh, it is absolutely scalding hot everywhere you go. Uh, the sun is so oppressive. And the city is built in this way where all, uh, well, I stayed in Dubai when, when I went there. That's where Brandon was living. So we stayed in Dubai and kind of enjoyed the Dubai nightlife and culture, uh, which basically means we went into a bunch of hotels that had, <laughs> had bars in them <laughs> that like, the locals couldn't come into uh, and just got to look out over the Persian Gulf and the rest of Dubai uh, while you drank just the most amazing alcohol and it just got fat on this incredible food while everyone scalds their entire balls off out in the heat in the desert. What's and, the, what's the cuisine like out there? What are we talking? Uh, it's because it is because Dubai and 
Abu Dhabi, but more Dubai than Abu Dhabi. It's it is kind of considered they want that to feel like the Vegas of the world. Mm-hmm. So they make every hotel has different like everything is fusion or it'll be like a multi-storied hotel within uh, a skyscraper and like one level will have this cuisine and then another level will have you know um all german cuisine uh or all spanish oh, wow. cuisine um the thing that i loved the most was i went to get my haircut when i got there and for folks who don't know what i look like uh it's impressive that you listen to a podcast uh, and don't know who I am or what I look like. Um, uh, So thank you for that. But I look like I could have been born in the United Arab Emirates, uh, especially when I grow a giant beard, which is what I had. And they like, I walked to a barber and they immediately dropped everything because the way that it works there is everyone who is part of the Emirati Bedouin culture is all filthy rich. I mean, they've been pulling oil out of the <laughs> the sand and the water in that place. And everyone who has citizenship there is so wealthy just by birthright. Uh, and like to the point of where you can't marry into an Emirati family and get citizenship. You have to, like your parents have to have married in. Like it's this like, they're trying to tamp down. I'm like, hey, outsiders, you can come here to play, but like, don't get citizenship here because it's an amazing way of life if you look a certain way and act a certain way. So a bunch of people tried to game the system, but the government clamped down on it. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's, it's, this, it's this really impressive uh, culture where everyone who looks like me <laughs> uh, is treated like royalty. Um, the, the only person to like, immediately decipher what uh that i was not emirati or saudi uh was an actual emirati who was like running the cell phone uh like the the hey taurus you come here you get your sim card right they track you everywhere you go in that country you have to get like a government issued sim card so that (sighs) you're not out there doing some cowboy because it is very much a, a wild wild west feel uh to that place um, like you can just drive out to the desert and drive to Oman if you wanted to, um, if you have enough petrol and a car that'll get you there, you don't have to take roads. So it's like, yeah, they need to, they need to keep track because people will go into that country and, and they have done awful things. I mean, whether it's actual like violent crime and then they just leave the country or financial crimes that was like, I'm sure people, you People are familiar with the YouTube videos of like, ah, oh, this person just abandoned uh, uh, um, a Murcielago in the middle of the desert because yes. they didn't want to pay the the tax for leaving the country with uh, a Lamborghini. So they're they're interesting. It's and all, the guy that all all comes with the international Vegas kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. But the dude who like spotted me, who was an Emirati, immediately was like, "Are you American?" Like, could it could pick mm-hmm. picked me out was like, oh, you're from New York? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, not the city. Like, this dude knew so much about me by just a few exchanges. Uh, And that speaks to, like, their customer service and attentiveness is people go there to spend money. People go there to live like kings and princes. And if you feel that way, then you're more likely going to spend more money. So, And I, I, like, felt that immediately. Every restaurant I went to, there was... 
like people would like make eye contact with me and try and get me to like get to a table as quickly as possible again because i look the way i do and as soon as i opened my mouth they were all like (laughs) um uh but it's a really interesting culture um so yeah i went to a barber and they like quite literally pulled a table out of the barber shop and put it outside the guy was like oh it's a little too hot in here it was a moroccan barber uh, moroccan barber shop Mm -hmm. right across from brandon's uh place that he was in and i went down and they like set me up with basically dinner because i had to wait for a haircut and a shave but they like tried to serve me dinner uh while i waited because they were so apologetic and there were people who were in the middle of getting haircuts and like I got a straight, uh, that was the first straight razor shave I got. I mean, this guy mm. like made me tea, made me these little uh, pastries that were amazing, brought them out and kept trying to feed me more. Uh, and then gave me like the hot towel shave and like was very attentive. Um, even after he realized I wasn't Emirati because maybe it was like, oh, uh, well, maybe he does know somebody. He wouldn't just be walking around looking like this, uh, <laughs> which as a black person in the U.S., I'm like, this is the weirdest thing to walk around mm-hmm. a place and feel like I have every privilege imaginable. Um, people would like step out of the way for me when I was walking down the street. They would get me to tables quickly. They would like let me cut in line. And like a nice dinner that was centered around me, where I met someone of import. Uh, I'll leave leave the name off of the podcast because I don't want to do that. Um, uh, But yeah, like met someone who was like pretty important and influential in that part of the world. And the dude just wanted to get to know me, Um, sat down next to me at dinner and first words out of his mouth was, so I'm supposed to hate you. Like it was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. And we went and played pool together and just socialized for hours. They, closed the hotel like restaurant area down it was like a private thing that i didn't realize i was kind of wandering into um and they're really fascinated the saudis and uh the emiratis and i imagine um several other countries that are wildly financially uh, stable um and the u.s depends on for a bunch of different things like they they want us over there they want Mm -hmm. to know who we are they don't want us to be afraid of the Middle East either. Yeah. Which, I mean, as I mean, I, you know me. We grew up together. Like I'm, yeah, sure. Like I'm not scared of the world, but you know, I'm not like I didn't think. You know, I I wasn't like I'm an international travel and I'll go anywhere and do anything. So going to the Middle East by myself uh, was like a like oh what am I getting myself into? Like I mean I know I'm going to like a very cool place and like with a purpose and I should be okay. And I'm meeting a friend there, but it was, it was That's scary. The best though. That's awesome. I, yeah. I love, I love that, that the incredible unnerve that kind of comes yeah. with, uh, traveling to very unusual places, yeah. uh, completely solo. Um, so what, uh, outside of the race, what was like some of the craziest stuff, uh, you got into while you're out there? Uh, well, I, I think the thing that made, there were two things that made huge impacts on me and they were both about, they was all having to do with nature, uh, which I'm a bit of a, uh, I'm a bit of a nature boy. I love to be out in the woods and, uh, love that stuff, but it was, it was the desert. Um, so my experience that I had 
first that like really, really like made me like really like broke my brain wide open was within 15 minutes walk from Brandon's place. There's the Persian Gulf. Like you can just go and put your feet in like, mm-hmm. one of the most historically significant bodies of water on the face of the earth. Uh, and it was just like going in there and like letting my toes like dig into sand and coral bits and feeling like the salinity of the water. I was able to like float very easily in it. Um, and it's the desert heat. So like it's this really cool thing where they have like swim up bars right on the beach. And then like you just get off, uh, get out of the pool and then like walk right onto the beach and into the water. And then you can come back and grab some drinks. Again, it's everything's like fenced off. So no Muslims can see that. But um, there was there was this really interesting thing that happened there. And I guess this is not nature related. This is definitely much more capitalist related and maybe a little bit, um, maybe a taboo subject here. But while I was on that beach, dipping my toes in the water and going for swims, I kept noticing these helicopters that would just fly out over the water, like big helicopters, transport helicopters, not like the little things you see people flying in and out of Manhattan or, or in these smaller cities, but like large transport helicopters would fly out and then I'd see them just fly out and then fly back. And I asked Brandon, I was like, so what is, is that like sightseeing? Like what's going on? And he's like, oh no, no, those are all the sex workers. Um, so what happens is, is you're only allowed to stay in that country for six months at a time. So once your six months are up, you have to then leave the country technically, and then you can reenter. So what they would do is they would literally pack these helicopters full of sex workers, take them out, fly them just over the water into international waters, and then fly them right back. Uh, and I was like, Gosh. oh, wow, that is, I mean, it really is, again, this is like Vegas, but in the Middle East, like there are, yeah. the idea is you go there to play. Um, and you know, partaking in sex work is, uh, is consuming sex work. I guess that's a weird way of putting it, but like, um, <laughs> being a patron of the sex work arts, um, is, uh, is a thing that people do. And that yeah. was, that was like a weird, like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they got to game the system and people got to have fun. And it's nice that these women are being taken care of in the way, I guess I, I didn't speak to any sex workers out there, so I don't know what their story is or if they would have felt safe even talking to someone who, again, looks like I could be part of like the Emirati or Saudi like government or something. Like they're not going to share that stuff with me. Being like, oh no, I'm I'm like in a human trafficking ring and like I got to get out and they won't let me out. I hope that's not what was happening, but um, but yeah, that was that was one kind of experience wrapped up in like, oh, look at this beautiful coral from the ancient world. Mm-hmm. Oh, why are those helicopters going out over the water? Yep. Um, so that was one. And then the other is I went out to the desert, like fully out to the desert and did an ATV tour. And about like I, we, we rode these quads out in, it was myself and this guy, Kurt, who I met through Brandon out there. And we went out and just rode these things through the desert with uh, a guide uh, a nigerian guide and this man we like ended up stopping for lunch like you basically stop and eat like a bean and cheese wrap or whatever uh because you're out in the desert you can't keep anything cool mm-hmm. um and uh i was standing there we like shut the machines off 
and I can just hear the sand being blown and like catching the other sand and just mm. that sound of like the hiss. And I'm standing there and I just like in this total silence, except for the sound of the world around me. And this guy walks up next to me, doesn't say a word, just stands there. And then after about 30 seconds, he goes, it's of the essence. And I was like, I'm sorry. And he's like, what you are feeling right now is of the essence. You came from this, you will return to this. And I was like, what the f- just happened to me like what i did not i did not ask for that uh but it was like a like he clearly saw yeah. what was happening yeah, yeah and was like hey you're having a moment here let me help you because i've also had this moment and yeah yeah it was just this and then he just like walked away it wasn't like like he my mouth dropped wide open and i was like what huh and i like turned to be like wow yeah that's it. and he had already walked away like it was just this like mm-hmm. weird, um, weird like moment of him just whispering into my ear. Yeah, he knew how to just days. just how to nudge you right off the ledge. Yeah, yeah. And then we spent the rest of the day like ripping through sand dunes. I watch him like get his quad stuck, like stuck, stuck in the deep desert. And I don't know if I've ever experienced fear quite like watching the person who is in charge of my survival, like. <laughs> kind of a little bit nervous because his vehicle is like sinking deeper into sand and then like sand had gotten into parts that were like making it stall out and it was just this like oh oh, no 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 like i he can't be on my quad because we'll sink in if he gets on my quad and he can't get on kurt's because he'll we'll just sink it so there's like one of us is gonna die out here (laughs) oh um, my god if this man doesn't fix his quad but he fixed it and then we went back to the place. He gave me a desert rag, like a scarf. Uh, they're called shamas um, uh, that kept the sand out of my nose and eyes and mouth. And yeah, it was great. It was, those were like real race experiences outside of the, the circuit that I was just blown away by. Um, that's, uh, that's amazing. I mean, that sounds, that sounds incredible. Now, Getting to the circuit itself, I can only imagine, I mean, everything that I see of this circuit, I always just think of it as like, it's like Speed Racer, the, mm-hmm. you know, or or some insane, you know, Star Wars planet that, that you've only seen for a few seconds in one of the movies, but it's just like completely outrageous and absolutely over the top. And like the the biggest spectacle of spectacles. What, what, did it live up to that? Was it? Absolutely. And we went to we went to all three days. Uh, Brandon was able to take off that Friday uh, after Thanksgiving, like his his boss, because no one no one celebrates Thanksgiving in Dubai. Um, why would you? Um, but he gave him that day off, so we went down and caught the free practices. Uh, so I got to like watch these cars run at dusk, and I'll tell you, man, there is nothing like watching the brakes just glow as like the sun dips down and you're like, oh, they glow red hot all of the time. It's not just when the sun, it's just that it's washed out by the sunlight because it's Mm -hmm. an orangish reddish glow that they produce. So you don't see it, but seeing them like not just the, the red of the discs as they were like 
like really really hot but like literally watching them like it like illuminates the whole wheel well and creates this whole yeah so cool um and then we also saw ferrari world is there as well so we got to go Mm. into the ferrari theme park and not that ferrari needs any more disappointment but cannot express to you how underwhelming ferrari world was I mean, just like it looks beautiful from the outside. That canopy looks real cool. How it's this huge flowing uh, canvas canopy that's red and has the prancing horse on it. And they do all these helicopter shots over it. And it looks so cool when the cars are going around it inside. It's it's like um, like a Six Flags that lost the Six Flags sponsorship where it's like, oh, wow. Oh, you just. They like gave you a bunch of Ferrari stuff early on and gave you some like some of like the newer cars. Like I think that they had like a shell of an Enzo there and like had like a bunch of like Stradales all kind of like D, you know, um, not like not like exploded, but kind of like in that where you were like, oh, you can like really see the features of the mm-hmm. entire suspension of a Stradale because they've like taken away the bodywork. So like they had some cool stuff like that. They had like every like the little roller coaster is like a very slow moving roller coaster that like little kids can go on. Uh, and, um, literally like it's, it's slow and the paint is chipping off of the cars. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not wonderful. It's not the, not, not the highlight I expected it to be. Um, but that's, that's it. Um, Johnny, have you frozen? I see John. Oh, he's, Folks, I am solo because John has disappeared, and I am now going to just sit quietly while he shows back up. <laughs> he has completely left the Zoom. He's left the Zencaster recording. Um, maybe it was because I talked so much about Ferrari. I mean, I get it. I fully understand. I mean, he's got the image of a Ferrari behind him, so maybe it was because I started talking. I mean, he's back now and now just nodding uh, gently at me. Um, I'm back. I'm back. Sorry, he's back in it. That's uh, fine. Na- naturally, you're you know you're you're using your your parents' setup and mm-hmm. uh, it's working flawlessly. And I have my you know my own super optimized setup that can't even record a single <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um. All right. Um, so. So you were saying Ferrari World super underwhelming. I I sort of get it. I mean, I feel like there's there's a, like almost like any piece of like Ferrari merchandise that you can imagine buying is like they were just like, mm. "Yes, you have, you know, you're going to pay this ex- incredibly expensive fee to have the right to put our decals on your otherwise knockoff super cheap quality, you know, yeah. goods or wares or or whatnot." Um, so that's, that's, uh, I mean, that's disappointing. It looks cool in the, you know, from the helicopter shot that like, you know, uh, tripod shaped structure that's, uh, Mm -hmm. that's in there and whatnot. Um, Um, and then like, there's like the entrance to it is really, really cool looking too, because they have red carpeted stairs that lead up to the entryway and it's the Ferrari red. So it's like externally, the presentation is quite nice. Um, internally I'd say, uh, uh, I hope this doesn't get me like disinvited from going back to that place. But like the inside of it was, it felt like someone just didn't care. Uh, like, like they just were like, we got the money. We don't really need to 
I mean, it looks good enough from the outside. No one's no one's actually going to come here and come inside. Also, it's a ticketed thing. Like you have to pay to go into it. So, in addition to it being a Ferrari thing, where you're like, yeah, you're also paying a decent amount of money to walk around and just be like underwhelmed by everything you could learn about Ferrari online. Cause you can't like really, you can get into a couple of the vehicles, but like not really like, they're not like, it's like, Oh, you can feel what it feels like to sit in like uh, in a Ferrari seat with like this amazing leather from these bowls um, uh, that like we keep specifically for the leather for the Ferrari. But it's like, yeah, but I want to like hear this thing crank up. Like I, I want to like <laughs> want to see the dashboard light up. Like show me something. Yeah. But it was literally just like a scratch and sniff is what it felt like. Where you're like, right, oh, right. that looks like a blueberry, and it smells like sweet, but it's not a blueberry. Um, That's an amazing analog. I like to imagine that this is the same experience when you go into like the Ferrari motorhome that's in the paddock, and it's like so splendid and magnificent from the outside and like as soon as you go inside it's actually just like a bunch of people in like old metal folding chairs smoking cigarettes like slapping the sides of typewriters and whatnot and uh it's uh and then like yeah um with like yellow stained uh like collars on their shirt because they're sweating so much because the air conditioning is broken so they're just dragging their skin and sweat up into their hair and making themselves look (laughs) like um there's something about mary yeah it's yeah um explains a lot explains so much so much um so uh what's the like what is the audience like at the abu dhabi grand prix um, so I had said this on one of the earlier podcasts where we were discussing how some of the Dutch fandom uh, can be a little bit problematic. There's a huge Dutch fan base. There's There are a ton of Dutch hmm. people that I encountered, and they were some of the most wonderful people uh, that I met. Um, uh, there were a lot of Dutch fans, a lot of, um, a lot of British, a lot of Brits, so... Um, a lot of folks who were big Mercedes fans, mm-hmm. um, and more like a lot of people were big fans of Lewis and were like disgusted at, uh, Nico, um, and, and his behavior throughout the season. Um, there were a lot of Australians. I met uh, a whole bunch of Australians too, because they love to travel and there were a bunch of people. Oh, we went to, we, you know what? There was one other thing that was really great. We went to a concert one night and that was not affiliated with the race and it was uh the Stranglers. Uh so they have this uh this really really great song that uh I I am obsessed with and if you've seen the movie Snatch you are also obsessed with and it is uh Golden Brown so they're the oh, ones who sing yes. Golden Brown. Yeah, yeah. And awesome song. Yeah. Watching them rip through Golden Brown with like a huge British audience singing along with it. Like at night, everyone's getting real rowdy. Just was such a, a, a beautiful experience where all of us felt like British expatriates, like uh, enjoying something That's cool. extremely British in a not British place. Uh yeah, that was that was really really cool. Um, oh, also the last concert of the 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 thing 
that's that's how these these events go is after the race there's usually a concert that takes place uh and the person who not only headlined the concert but played two hours of music was none other than lionel richie so it was like wow just yeah i mean it was again this was this whole experience was like a real like oh this is how this is how you do international travel like you go to a thing (laughs) you experience like the thing but then you have a bunch of other stuff that you're also like going to do with your uh, while you're there um and it was yeah it was it was wild but yeah the stranglers watching them perform and it was some random club we're all standing outside again like completely covered <laughs> protected from mm-hmm. people who can't know that alcohol exists uh it was it was wild it was really really wild that's absolutely amazing mm-hmm. um what was uh, where where were you guys seated at the race uh so we were i want to say it's turn 7 I think uh, so not on the right before that, like not back straight, but it's kind of like a straight. So they come in. Uh, it's a pretty heavy chicane. I, I think it's turn seven. I, I can't say for sure, but I believe it was turn seven. But it was um, it's not like a hairpin, but it's like a pretty wide sweeper that leads mm-hmm. into sector three. Um, and that was or sector two, I guess. Uh, but it was really, really dope to see that because the way that that circuit is set up, it's so like spread out and so flat that you can really hear the cars. Like you can hear them and you can like see like the, when we would go, like you could see like a uh, little like puffs of smoke or like little, yeah. like, like that kind of thing. Or you like hear them locking up. Um, that was another thing. I know, I know this isn't about Abu Dhabi, but it was, it's so cool to hear those cars lock up in person Mm -hmm. because it's and every once in a while they'll like they'll catch it on the feed like just the right audio will come through but it's not like a it's not like the sound that you think a lockup is it's like a very distinct like metallic sound that happens when those cars lock up um and that was always cool to hear uh especially when you'd like hear it way off Mm -hmm. uh, on like the other side of the circuit and you're like oh someone just locked up uh and they had a bunch of screens so you could see what was going on too. But uh, seeing the fireworks happen at the end of the race, even though I knew that Lewis didn't win it, but like you get to watch the fireworks, like that like procession down the uh, the pit straight. Uh, that was really, really cool to watch that. And then just to be surrounded by so many fans. So like people who were so excited yeah. to be there. I did not encounter any person who was there because their significant other dragged them along or kids who were on vacation who just didn't want to be there it was like everyone was so pumped to be there because it's an international thing everyone is so like eager to make friends and eager to like have those interactions uh these outdoor places where you get to drink like there's a lot of socializing that happens there where like you'll just be at a table and then like someone will walk by and be like hey do you mind if i sit here because they want mm-hmm. to sit underneath the umbrella and get out of the sun, but they don't know you. Um, that's how I met several Dutch fans were, were in those in those situations, and they would just come over and be like, hey, do you mind if I sit here? And then we would just talk about the fact that they're like, oh, yeah, my wife is still back um, still back home, but like I brought my daughter with me. Hey, honey. And like it'd be like, why is your daughter in the bar? Oh, right, because it doesn't matter. They don't, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not about like 
like keeping like young people out. It's about keeping prying eyes from seeing what's happening. So yeah, it was really, really an interesting, an interesting affair. Um, and we stayed there that, that was, that was our seating. Unlike what we've been, what we do at races where we kind of like bop around the course mm-hmm. and try and find the places that we haven't seen. Or yeah, for some were. reason, I don't think of Abu Dhabi as having like, even like a general admission, you know, no, sort of even option or area or whatnot. I don't think there, I mean, maybe there was at the time, but I don't remember it as anything like it. W- also, you're in the desert and you're like, it's hot out. I want to sit under the shade. You don't want to just like stand next to a fence and uh, have the sun beating down on you, that hot desert sun. Um, and they have like misting fans and cooling uh, situations out there that are wild because they basically do them in the open air to yeah. control the atmosphere and temperature uh, around the circuit. Yeah, yeah. They're... There's a lot of money over there, uh, as much money as we've seen. Yeah. So, so was Ooh. the was the overall vibe that this was like a mega opulent, like VIP, you know, yeah. um, you know, yeah. almost like was it off putting at all, or was it was it still seem like sort of open or welcoming? It seemed pretty open and welcoming. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. again, I'm I'm an American. And I look the way I do. So I immediately, yeah. people were like, what the hell? Oh, like it was this weird, like, are you one of them? No, no, you're, you're one of them. Oh, okay. We thought you were the other them. Um, so there was a lot of like smiling, a lot of making eye contact um, and not a lot of douchiness, like in like the <laughs> queues for like the bathroom. It's also so many British people, folks. The most important thing to remember about British people is they know how to stand in a line or as they call queuing better than anybody else on the planet. They are so good at just forming a perfect line in the most efficient way. So like there'd be these long lines for bathrooms and they would just arbitrarily decide like, oh, we're going to kink the line this way. And like, <laughs> and people would just follow that without like stanchions or needing to be told to follow a certain That's path. great. Yeah, it was really... It was really impressive. That's like the level of pretentious douchiness that I like. Is mm-hmm. yep. Oh, we're proper Brits, and we're going to show you how to stand in line the right way. It's like I'll do that. I'll do that all day. <laughs> coming coming from this country, where it's like, hey, you just walk to the front, and if someone says, "Hey, I was waiting in line," then you get behind them. Like it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. If you see someone standing in a line, you'll just go and get in that. Which is maybe to the detriment. Hey. It certainly was to the detriment of the British during the Revolutionary War, where they loved to just line up in those bright red coats. Uh, <laughs> um, so maybe, maybe it doesn't always work to their benefit. But uh, but yeah, it was it was it was cool. Um, there was no, it did not feel as though there was a class divide. It did, except for the Emiratis. Uh, but that's that's literally because like no one want like no one is going to approach them because they're just not going to. It's like, why would you approach someone you don't know? Just It's like if if a nun was walking by, you wouldn't go up to her and be like, oh, wow, you're different from the rest of us. It's just like, oh, yep. no, you just get out of their way and let them go. So there was a lot of that, but also not like a lot of like parting of the seas to let them pass. Like it was once we got into the circuit, it felt like everything was kind of uh, equalized. And again, I didn't have like a paddock pass or anything like that. So I can't say what that experience was but uh 
if an if a circuit provides Uber helicopters and they run out of Uber helicopters, that should like give you an idea of right the amount of opulence. It's like I don't want to drive my R uh my R eight all the way from Dubai uh to Abu Dhabi. But then there were people who quite literally would drive, like they would keep cars in different cities. So they would keep and literally yeah. be like, oh, I'm going to drive my R8 to Abu Dhabi and then I'll take the Gallardo back to Dubai. And they would just like, you would see those cars just being like parked and left uh, like street parking basically with cars that we would, we've rarely caught glimpses of. Um, That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really impressive. Um, would you, let's see, would you, if you could go to your next five Grand Prix and pick any track that you would go to, would one of those be returning to Abu Dhabi? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It was, it was one of the most incredible experiences just like culturally that I've ever had. And there were a bunch of things that I didn't get to do. Uh, you like you joked about it being like, oh, it looks like Star Wars. Like the scene from uh, from like when when Ray is in is like on that piece of metal sliding down a giant dune. Mm-hmm. Um, those are dunes that are like forty miles outside of Abu Dhabi. Those are real places with like two hundred foot tall yeah. sand dunes. Um, like and every you. People have seen it. If you've seen a bunch of people at like Land Rovers just doing 90 miles an hour up uh, a sandy uh, hill, sending out rooster tails of sand behind them and sometimes flipping over and falling back down those, like those are the dunes that they're doing it in. Um, It's wild. And again, like, yeah, I would love to just get into like, get like a Land Rover and just take one of those things and bomb it up that hill. Mm -hmm. That looks so fun. Uh, I would not drive back down. I would not drive back down that hill. That looks so scary to just be like, I'm just going to point my nose <laughs> out into like the sky and then trust that the sand is not going to give way and my bumper's not going to dig in and just cause like a horrific accident. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would go back out there and do that. Um, I, there are too many circuits now where I'm like, oh, I wouldn't go back there twice. But I don't think even if I went back there again, I would really get to experience the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's that kind of cultural experience. Like I didn't get to go to like the spike. Like I didn't get to see like some of like the amazing architecture that they have out there. I mean, the, this is a bit nerdy or whatever, but like they have these huge water desalinization plants that literally just pump water in from the Persian Gulf and make it drinkable. Like, they're and they're all over the place and then they have other buildings where it's like oh is that another water desalinization plant and it's like no no that is a remote air conditioning plant so they like have Mm. these air conditioning plants outside of city centers that are then like piping cool air in under the desert (laughs) into like major metropolitan areas so that they don't have to take up real estate in the actual major metropolitan area they can just have this like sprawling facility that just pumps cold air into like a desert city like it's there's a lot of really interesting stuff i mean i'd love to go to oman i'd love to like drive out and into the desert and just like i mean you like when we're out in the desert you'd like come over a ridge and you'd see 
just like, oh, there's like an oil derrick over there. Like that someone just put up an oil rig in the middle of the desert. Uh, and then like you'd go over another ridge and it'd be like, oh, what's those? Why are all those like black pieces of cloth? Oh, that's like a Bedouin encampment. That's just a bunch of people who trade in camels and roam the desert and <laughs> procreate. And like they still live that lifestyle. They're also like multimillionaires and could leave that lifestyle and go live wherever they want. But they like choose to live the Bedouin lifestyle. Um, seeing all like there are rednecks there, there are Bedouin rednecks. What, yeah, what constitutes a Bedouin redneck? The same thing that constitutes a redneck anywhere else in the world, which is a lifted up uh Toyota on like damn near monster truck wheels <laughs> with like unnecessary Casey lights all over everything. Um, and then you just like see them like ripping down the highway at like a hundred miles an hour in these trucks. Uh, and you're like, Jesus Christ, what the hell's, these people are nuts. And they're like, you know, racing a Ferrari uh, in their like dune buggy. Um, wow. Again, they're all like multimillionaires, but choose, just like choose to live different lifestyles out there. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to get involved in that, um, in those situations a little bit more. Um, so I'd, I'd like to go out there for longer. Definitely. Maybe not, maybe not multiple times, but I would go back for that race for sure. Yeah, so, uh, and it did suck to see Nico win. It sucked so bad. It, it broke my heart. I mean, I flew halfway around the world. In, I, and then, in identical equipment to, yeah, to Lewis. Yeah. Oh, it's just such a, like, ugh, it hurt. It hurt. Uh, but yeah, that was it, was, it was an incredible experience, though. I loved it, and I would, I would do it again. Awesome. Well, uh, I appreciate you giving, giving us the, the rundown on the the 2016 Abu Dhabi experience this sounds right. amazing it's on it's yeah. on my list for sure um yeah. and you know uh all things willing you know we we find a way to get over there uh together and and check it out i think that would be absolutely amazing oh, yeah. would yeah. love my, to uh would love to Johnny, take it my, all in my plan is to go back over there and stay for a couple of years under a teaching contract um mm. And that would be, that's like, <laughs> that's like quite literally my retirement plan, uh, as like a specialized teacher who speaks English. They have so many schools where they're like, Hey, we want an English speaker to come and teach our kids math yep. or science or yeah. whatever. And then it's like, Oh, you teach theater. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll just like bop you around from school to school. And you could like work like, this was like a discussion I had, uh, with people there. Uh, and I was like, Ooh, this sounds pretty cool. And also Bollywood is right there. So like I could go and work in Bollywood. Um, yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, these are, this is like a retirement plan and pipe dream. And if that happens, John, I will fly your whole family over there. Uh, because the, the government really likes to pay people. It really likes to pay people unbelievable amounts of money to do important things, but maybe not, you know, important enough to like me be like, Hey, well, I, every, I everybody there off. isn't just, you know, drowning just to try to, you know, stay, stay at uh, the base level, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's weird. It's weird what that can do to a society. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was great. I hope that we get to go over there. If not, if not as like a whole collective, um, bringing bringing family, and I'd love to bring my nephew and see if I could convince my brother and sister in law to come over there. 
and just do a whole big thing. That would be that would be ideal. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking me about this stuff, Johnny, and thanks for letting me remember that I saw the Stranglers. I had like forgotten <laughs> that I had seen one of the most amazing songs performed by a band who I never imagined I would get a chance to see. Let alone Lionel Rich. Like I forgot about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't forget about Ferrari World. I'll never forget about it. that. Was, <laughs> I'll never forget about. No, never forget it. Uh, uh, yeah, well, uh, this this is awesome to hear about this. Thank you, Corey. Uh, where where can folks find you out in the world? I uh, can track me down. Burn Corey Burn is the handle you can find me at on all the social media stuff. Uh, and then we haven't been super active on it, but like the F one files on Twitter, and I haven't gone on the F one files uh, Reddit. Full disclosure, in quite some time, but I will. I promise. Uh, so yeah, reach out, reach out to us and me, um, through the F1 files on Twitter and burn Corey burn. How about you, Johnny? Where can the folks track you down? Uh, you can always hit me up on Twitter at Johnny motion. And, uh, I'm always there geeking out about all sorts of weird stuff in my world. In addition to some formula one shenanigans as well. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, uh, I mean, we're not going to break totally with the format because I feel like we still need to reference the stock of F1. Where do you think it is? Uh, did it did it rise this week? Did it plateau? Did it fall? What do we think? I'm going to say it's. Uh, I'm going to say this. I'm nervous that because we're in this summer break and there's been an absence of yeah. Formula One drama and excitement, that it's maybe it's like just slightly dipping just a little bit and i want to make sure that we come back from the the summer break with a huge splash yeah yeah i think i think we will um it's going to be spa this maybe it's also for those of you who are big fans of formula one there is a very real chance that we may be seeing one of the last belgian grand prix which is wild to think because they've just upgraded that track and updated the track uh at spa francochamps but we may see the last Belgian Grand Prix, at least for a little while. We also may have just seen the last French Grand Prix for a little while. So yeah. there's some, I think, I mean, for died in the wool fans, there's like a lot of drama still happening, but for the casual fan, I could see how they might be like, well, I'd like to think though, that spas got to stick around just because it is of all tracks. It is the purists. Yes. Preferred track. Yeah. Yeah, and, where everyone's uh, like, I love Monaco, but like Spa, I mean, I, yes, I'll drive to the middle of the woods in Belgium and <laughs> make it incredibly difficult. That's the, that's the thing though, right? It's that it's like, <laughs> it's a very difficult circuit to get to. And maybe as far as like sponsorship and spokesperson, like connectivity, like they don't have a lot of it, but yeah, like you said, it's a purist, it's a purist circuit. And I think. I mean, I I hope we're gonna see Mercedes come back real, real strong. Um, I hope so. Also, I think I think maybe the stock has been helped by Lewis's pilgrimage through Africa. He mm-hmm. has been rediscovering his his African ancestry and has brought a bunch of other uh, people with him, including uh, an Olympic fencer and just like a couple of other people who uh, who are like his like close circle of friends. And there's been some amazing footage of him like feeding a giraffe. Um, there's a footage. There's there's a picture of Lewis Hamilton holding a goat. 
Uh, so it's uh, there's like some stuff holding that is holding like, Nicholas Latifi, holding Nicholas Latifi <laughs> uh, uh, in his Williams kit and all. Um, but yeah, there, I think that there's been some social media stuff that is positive, and I think that the dip from the drama may it may have equalized. So I'd say let, yeah, we're it's, at, it's, we're it's we we were hitting peak drama with the silliest of silly seasons. Uh, so. Uh, it's good to have a little bit of a rinse off from that, and I'm yes. sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll be back in full force once we once we get back into race week. Has has, has Alpine tweeted or posted on social media? Since? I don't think so. I think they've been silent yeah. ever since. Yeah. They're yeah. you know, they probably like just deleted their account. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just, or or still struggling desperately to remove the foot from their own mouth. Um, yeah. They're like all the way up to the hip bone, and people are like, "Hey, that's not where that goes." And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, <laughs> "Yeah." So I think it's there's a lot there's a lot that uh, there's a lot of potential on the horizon, but I do feel that there is a bit of a lull right now. Um, I mean, that's why we're doing this. That's why we're talking about uh, Grand Prix of old, which next weekend, folks, we are going to get delicious look into Johnny's. Uh, VIP experience at Ooh Circuit la la. of the Americas. So we're going to get a, a reverse of this. I'm going to be asking Johnny about his experience next weekend. Looking forward to that. That's uh, that that was a that was a fun one. I I literally in 2018 uh, won a contest and got the most pretty out of control super VIP experience. And I'll, I'll give you the rundown. Met. What, met, yeah, met whatever. Lewis got all sorts yeah. of crazy all access tours and all sorts of silly stuff. So that'll what, be, what, you, that'll be a fun you one. Posted those pictures of you and Gloria going. I was like, I love this so much, but I'm so so jealous. I'm so jealous, and like not even jealous of like like your experience. I was like, Gloria, you don't deserve. I I should be there with John. I know that you're the mother of his children and whatever. Uh, I should be there. Why are you there? But I appreciated it. And she did too. I know she's she's a race fan as well. Um not not as big as us, I mean, of course. But um <laughs> uh but yeah, that was that was really, really cool. And I, I'm excited to hear because we haven't really like talked too much about it. Uh, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, so everybody I mean, t- tune in next week for a very salty episode. Um, <laughs> for me, asking just like the most like venom laden questions um, and watching John try to navigate his way out of, uh, of, of an answer without making me even angrier that I wasn't there. All right. Well, folks, we will catch up with you next time on a very special episode of the F1 Files. Absolutely just tried to like touch screen this laptop to stop the recording. (laughs) 